Show me the one whose safety deemed such destruction. You must reunite it with its own kind. Where? This you must determine. The songs of eons past tell of battles between Mandalore the Great and an order of sorcerers called Jedi. You expect me to search the galaxy and deliver this creature to a race of enemy sorcerers? This is the way. You know this is no place for a child. Welcome everyone from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast. This is episode number 395, Mandalorian Season 2 trailer. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the grief carga to my quill, we've got Carl Le- LeClaire. Oh, so I'm the disgraced one. I like it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'll take it. It's a new outfit. I do have, yeah, and, some great new robes. I'm, I'm on board for that. <laughs> Oh, it's it finally hit. Today's the day we we get our first teaser trailer for season two of Mandalorian. Woo! What a day, huh? So excited. Oh, we've been waiting for this for weeks. Carl and I have been talking about wanting to talk about this trailer. <laughs> like, we've been talking about wanting to talk about it. <laughs> How sad are we? Well, I'm pretty sure we're in the camp of everyone else who was set to go to celebration this year. So that's that's a great point. And that, I mean, I speculate that we would have gotten that teaser trailer at celebration. Um, yes, you know, had had there been one, but uh, obviously the world took a turn this year. So, but yeah, no, I so excited to to dig into all the stuff that we got in this trailer. Um. But before we do, Jason, uh, we do still have some uh, some stuff from last week where, where we had a, of course, a new style of matchup, and uh, it, I I really had fun, you know, playing along to this one. Um, it was pretty, it was closer than it, I initially anticipated, but still pretty solidly in one camp. But we asked in um, all of you, in light of our journey through the planets of the sequel trilogy last week, 
what your what your preferred Sith planet was between Mustafar and Exegol. And what did the numbers tell us, Jason? Well, the numbers uh, didn't lie. Uh, Mustafar definitely won. Uh, the tally for our Larians was 58 for Mustafar and 36 for Exegol. Um, I was, you know, impressed with how close it was, uh, you know, considering all that's going on in the Star Wars fandom at the moment. Uh, but um, I, I can I think I can understand why Mustafar, because one, it's been around a lot longer in the Star Wars fandom than Exegol. Um, but I do know that the idea of fire and Sith go well together um, in a lot of people's minds. So <laughs> I'm not overly surprised with how this one turned out. But I'm curious to see what you thought um, for this this matchup, Carl. Well, I'm in the minority. I I really love Exegol. Um, I mean, Mustafar is great, um, but just the the design of Exegol um, being this kind of like we like I talked about last week, right? It's kind of this Dante's version of hell. It's this cold, lifeless pit, um, and uh, yeah, I just I mean, it's devoid of all life. It's devoid of light. Um, whereas Mustafar is Vader's hell. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I like them both. They're both really, really captivating and, and um, somewhat similar ways. But um, honestly, what sold sold me hardest for Exegol again is is my friend's theory that Exegol is where all the uh, Sith's souls are sent and stuck for all of eternity. So I just love this idea. It's the land of the damned. Um, so yeah. yeah. Um, so that's obviously me running with a friend's head cannon. But I don't care. Uh, and I do. I just I love the look of it. Every time like the lightning crashes and like the sound of it, I get way more excited. And honestly, like Mustafar is really cool. But the CGI in Revenge of the Sith, while it was great in 2005, I don't think it holds up great. So Exegol feels more real than Mustafar does just visually on screen to me. So that's also what gave an Exegol a little bit more of an edge in my book. But um, I'm going to guess your team Mustafar. Well, surprise, surprise, no. Ooh. Um, now, in terms of if we were if we phrase this question differently, that might be different. Um, but we framed it with your favorite Sith planet, uh, and you're right. Mustafar is Vader's hell. Mustafar is hell. I'm not sure it's a Sith planet mm. in particular, at least not in the traditional sense. When I think Sith, I say, I think cold and calculating um a simmering fury rage and you know uncontrolled passions um and while the expression of rage is definitely on display on mustafar i feel that a larger view of the sith so to speak uh is exemplified on exegol uh, just because of its its coldness and it's devoid of any form of life. There is still life on Mustafar. I didn't see any on Exegol other yeah. than what was down underneath, you know, being kept artificially alive by, you know, mechanical means and Sith alchemy or whatever. Um, so I, I think Exegol is definitely... When it comes to being a Sith planet, I think it more accurately portrays who the Sith are. Yeah. Um, whereas Mustafar is very plainly hell, hell on earth, an existence of hell. And 
uh, you know, to, to many of our, our Western philosophies and Western ideas. So, um, is it, they're very different and I love them both, but in terms of favorite Sith planet, I'm going to go with Exegol on this one. So, um, that gives us a final tally of 58 for Mustafar and 38 for Exegol. So, Hey, wasn't that Not close, too shabby. <laughs> but it was good enough. Um, but cool. Well, uh, we will have a poll for you based on this episode at the end of the episode. Also, at the end of the episode, even though this is kind of a special thing to just talk Mandalorian, uh, we are going to continue the our, our journey through the A New Hope radio drama. So we've got episode six, I believe. Yeah, episode six coming up at the end of the episode, Millennium Falcon deal. So if you've been listening along at the end of the episodes, uh, feel free to stick around for the next A New Hope radio drama um, because they're just great. Um, Indeed. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, let's just get into this, Jason. Let's get into this trailer. There's, there's a lot going on and yet so little, (laughs) you know what I mean? My, my, Uh, when I, when I first watched it, I was like, wow, there's not going to be much to talk about. Um, and then as I watched it more and more, I'm like, wait, there's so much to talk about. Um, so I just want to hit you with that first. What was your initial thought? Like what, what were your initial thoughts and feelings that first time you watched it? Uh, the first time I watched it, oh, this looks cool. Uh, it's got the great feeling I'm looking for, but uh, didn't tell me anything at all. That was my initial first thought, um, and and I was fine with that. So, um, but yeah, it looks great. The show looks terrific. You know, all the the um, the effects and just the costumes and the characters that we've come to love and enjoy have been expanded on with the other, you know, new surroundings and things like that. It has the same, you know, feel as uh, the first season. Uh, You know, we're revisiting some locales, so that definitely helps in some uh, instances. But, uh, yeah, I'm... I am definitely encouraged, though, by the voiceover at the beginning kind of giving us the idea of the the direction that this the season is going to take so mm. and i think that's where i'm gonna have a lot of my thoughts on this trailer as we get into the discussion sure so yeah um yeah i thought initially uh my first watch through was like huh that was all right but i honestly felt like a little underwhelmed um and uh And I think the reason I was underwhelmed is I I think there's just so much speculation about who's going to show up in season two and, and all that, right. Obviously the, the elephant in the room would be Ahsoka, right. So there was a part of me that was really expecting to see her in some capacity, even just like a closing shot of just like her, you know, Leku or something, um, you know, so not getting that was just like, Ooh, all right. Um, there's nothing here, but then I like waited a few minutes and I watched it again on my TV. So bigger than my phone and i immediately that like you know i was immediately captured and i'm like like kind of like you said jason i was like i love that we got no actual specifics in this right um mm-hmm. you know some trailers uh, back in the day right like kind of spoiled the whole thing um so it's really good to not have really any more sense of what's going on but i feel like what the trailer more than anything gave us was one of the best things about star wars fandom which is 
a lot a lot of nothing that we can now just run amok with, right? I mean, I think that's yeah. one of the joys of being a Star Wars fan as we anticipate something new coming out is just the excitement and the fun of speculating and theorizing what things are, can be, or will be. Um, and uh, and that's pretty much what we're going to be doing for the rest of this episode is just sharing our own thoughts, speculations, and theories because this is this is the fun of Star Wars. And I think something hopefully we've all come to learn, and, and I can certainly speak for myself, is all of that theorizing and hypothesizing could all just go to, you know, be dust in the wind when that, when the season comes and goes. Um, so I think it's also important to remember that we not get too married to the, the, the theories and speculations we have, but in no way should that diminish the fun of, of this part of the process. Um, right. So, and actually Jason, before we recorded tonight, just for the heck of it, I rewatched the first episode of Mandalorian and just re- was reminded of how much different it was than what I was expecting going into it. Right. Um, I was oh, yeah. expecting just yeah. kind of this like cold blooded bounty hunter story. And within like 20 minutes of the episode, you're like, wait, this actually has heart and soul to it too. Um, so, you know, whatever we speculate or what any of us speculate, you know, in the weeks ahead, it's all up for grabs. And that's the exciting part of it. I would say. Yes, I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. I love, I love not knowing what's happening before we jump into it. So, uh, they've definitely give us some nice peaks and some hints at what's out there. Um, but we also know that sometimes they've been known to give us things that are, that look one way in a trailer, but are actually the opposite once you actually get to the episode. So. <laughs> We'll see what actually happens. So, yeah. But I'm I'm excited to jump in and, and discuss this thing. So, yeah. Well, let's where start, do we want to start? Well, let's start with the, this voiceover, right? Um, yeah. We we start with a voiceover from. Well, actually, I guess before we even get to the voiceovers, we do see the Razor Crest. That's the right. We have this beautiful opening shot of a really really beat to hell <laughs> Razor Crest. Um, coming in for a landing. Um, and I'm not sure it. Well, yeah, I don't know. know what's going on. It, it almost looks like it's drifting. I'm not sure what's exactly going on because that the whole the, the entire cargo hatch is just flapping open. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Like, well, you can tell the engines all. It's like it's you know, sparking. It's there's yeah. the the ship's hull is all. I mean, it looks like the Falcon after the Kessel Run for Pete's sake. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know, it's. It's it literally looks like it's just like using the gravity of this big gas giant planet to just fling it into this other planet, the one with some life on it. It's just I mean, this is limping towards its destination. And something I really like about that visual is the Razor Crest is Din Djarin's home, right? I think in Star Wars, we can talk about how starships are often the language of people's homes, right? The, the Millennium Falcon is a home. Um, you know, the Tanif 4 has a home-like atmosphere. Din Djarin's home in the stars is the Razor Crest. So seeing it all banged up like that uh, just makes me immediately think of, wow, there has been such a high cost to Din Djarin's um, uh, desire to protect this child, right? The thing that is probably one of the things that is most dear to him is all banged up, but that's this is the cost of protecting the child. Yeah, it's 
whatever has has occurred um is is now physically evident in in how his his equipment is his 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 ship is just about as beat up as his armor was after facing the mudhorn yeah. um yeah good so good connection <laughs> yeah yeah so it it's this choice that he has made has extracted a cost and he's going to keep paying it until it's over yeah so now, one thing I noticed, just this is the only specific thing I want to say about the music, because trailer music is always, you know, distinctly different from whatever you might get in the finished product. But I find it interesting, this this chime-like music they use at the beginning here. Here's what it reminds me of. So something else we've heard. It's a very similar type of instrument. It's a very similar tonal progression. Um, I don't know if that's just uh, circumstance or not, but I just thought it was really interesting. I was like, wow, that sounds like a piece of Ray's theme. And I know that it it obviously can't be or or probably isn't or in in any way intentional, but I just thought it really interesting that those notes sounded very similar to me. Yeah, no, it is interesting. Um, And... uh, I, I I suppose it's probably primarily just to get a a, a, a tone to things a um, a feeling, but yeah, uh, a a feeling of wandering perhaps. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I mean, and initially too, it's even right the that like chimes were often used to indicate the child in the first season, right? There there was yes. always like chime like music. Uh, there's something angelic about the child, um, and well, here. Uh, it, yeah, a lullaby. And here you almost have like a broken lullaby. Like it's like it, it, the lullaby, the the honeymoon phase, if you will, of what Din Djarin has chosen to do. Right. Season one. Um, I heard apparently John Favreau talked about how season one was he was he was trying to channel as much of the A New Hope energy as possible. So the start of a journey. And apparently he's been saying that season two, he, he was channeling Empire Strikes Back energy. Right. It's like that that middle chapter where someone really comes to discover themselves. And in a lot of ways, even just these simple musical notes, it's almost like, again, we always talk about how the honeymoon's over, right? So Din made the bold and and kind of courageous and honorable decision to be this child's protector. And now we see kind of like that, that fairy tale, that, um, that honeymoon crumbling. And we see that in the ship itself too. So it's like a broken music box. Yeah. It's still playing. But yeah. A discordant. Right, so. right. Um, and then we get something really cool with the uh, Mongolian throats singers. Um, yes, in, I, in I did notice that. I, I thought that was really uh, neat and unique, uh, and and something. Show me the seems, one. Sorry, <laughs> might be sorry. Something that seems like it might be in the show itself. That so. yeah, and apparently there is some music from here that is in the show. Um, some folks are saying, um, but yeah, you know. The the Mongolian throat singer is just again like just it's like oh of course Ludwig Gorson is like he's a genius and it just reminds me we're gonna get a whole new season of Mandalorian music so I'm so stoked yeah so so stoked um, very excited yeah so but let's talk about this voiceover from the armorer yeah uh, well it is taken directly from the final episode of of last season exactly uh, as far as I can tell so. Um, 
This is not to say that she is going to be in this season, but she could be. Um, but uh, it it refocuses us as to what this season is about. That Din and the child are on this journey to find these sorcerers called Jedi in order to return the child to them. Yep. That's, that is the goal of this season. And, and it's, it's, it's taking us in a direction that, you know, I never anticipated walking into season one, but I am 100% here for right now. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Yeah, well, you know, the armor is is giving this just this voiceover. It's giving us the why of the season. What's going on? The the thesis statement, if you will, right? Like you said, this and this is the only setup we get, which is honestly all we need. It's just a reminder, yeah. like that's where the last story ended. Is Dindajaran leaves with the child to seek his kind. Um, so, right, who who are the child's kind? His people? Is it is it his species or is it the Jedi? It seems to indicate the Jedi. I would say. Um, yeah. But it it kind of made me think of that scene in, in Solo when Han says, I don't know if he said tribe or people. And, and the response is, what's the difference? So right. again, like I feel like if this is indeed a middle act part of the story, this is going to raise those questions of who really is the child? Who does he belong to? Who is Din Djarin and who does he belong to? Um, so I feel like we're just, we're, those are the big questions. Those are the kind of uh, thematic questions I feel like the characters are going to be faced with. Um, yeah. And of course, the possibility is that he starts out looking for the Jedi, can't really find them, but finds perhaps the species of the child instead. So there's there's still possibilities. We we may not, even though this gives us the the direction of the uh, of where we're heading in this trailer um, for season two, there's still possibilities on how it will ultimately pan out, um, you know, with all of this. So yeah, I'm just very curious. Yeah. Well, and I, and I love, well, and the thing with this, this whole setup um, of right. Din and the child are on a journey to find the Jedi or whatever force users they might be able to find. And then I feel like the rest of the trailer then is just kind of snippets of their journey, right? Yes. Um, and this first place we go to is this kind of dingy city street. Uh, again, where is it? Who knows? We'll find out, I'm sure, and I hope. Uh, but it's so cool to see, like, graffiti everywhere. Um, and, you know, again, I think that pulls on our, our just again, on our, our Western sensibilities of like, oh, wherever graffiti is prevalent is usually a kind of dangerous place, right? Um, right. And, and even the opening shot of him walking in, it's him coming out of the darkness, right? Like they're, they're, they're in a very dark place. And it just has me thinking like, of course, of course, Din's not going to be afraid to go into the shadows to find the answers he's seeking. And in a lot of ways, the fact that he was a bounty hunter for, for so long shows that he's not uncomfortable in these shadows of the empire. <laughs> I love throwing that in whenever I can. Um, so, right, he's not he's not afraid to look for answers there. Um, and something, you know, folks have, have pointed out just by zooming in on the stills, and again, this is the, the, the joy and the fun of speculation, 
is some of that graffiti actually looks like clone trooper helmets with X's over their eyes. And like, that could be pretty cool if this is, you know, Din Djarin's experience of the clone wars was a pretty traumatic one. So what that might mean for him, right? I mean, what if this is, what if this is the planet where he was abandoned on? I doubt it is. I don't think it is, but it could be. But again, like him seeing clone wars imagery is right. Like we saw whenever, there was mention of the foundling and his armor, his armor was being forged, right? That it kind of triggered him in season one to think of how he was left behind. Well, what if he sees remnants of the clone wars? Uh, what's that going to bring up for him? Right? So this is somebody who's yeah. going to have to, to grapple with, with the pain of his past. Yeah. Are we going to see more flashbacks from him this season? Right. Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Um, but one thing I will note is that this this greedy line, this graffiti lined street, um, looks like it's completely empty. Like there's nobody there, and I find that very interesting too. Um, I don't know why it just it's like oh yep, there's trouble. Yeah, <laughs> they're walking straight into trouble. Um, there's no doubt about that, and that just seems to be the trajectory that they're going as they they go on this quest. They just walk into trouble to see you know, what they can find there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And then of course we get the shot of the Tuscan on a Bantha. Um, and apparently I think folks have confirmed that they're going to return to Tatooine at least a little bit again this season. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the, um, the razor crest flying above it in the background. So, right. Um, but Uh, yeah, I, I mean, Looks in, like they're going back, which which is interesting because in the Gunslinger, the Tatooine episode, that was where the the assassin was quote unquote murdered uh, by Toro Calican, and uh, I don't know, you know, that there's a lot of people that sus- you know suspect that she's still alive, and where we saw the the booted feet with the spurs at the end of the episode, so I wouldn't be surprised if whatever. Easter egg or, or trail tidbit that Dave Filoni and John Favreau were introducing, you know, to us in uh, season one gets picked up in season two from here. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm more <laughs> interested in the next shot <laughs> okay. than going back to tattooing. And I hope we don't have to keep going back to tattooing all the time because it's like, all right, let that story go. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's this snow planet, right? He's, taking the razor crest into this um, canyon like place on a, in a very snowy planet. And then we get, you know, shots of him walking in the snow with the child firmly planted and probably a bit chilly. I wonder if he's got little booties on. I'm, I'm <laughs> assuming he's got little booties on. Um, and, and I that hope would... so. Cause I feel like Din wouldn't want his feet to get cold. So um, I hope, I hope we get some little child booties going on in season two here. Um, but right. We've got a lot of people speculating that this is Ilum and yeah, that was my thought too. Yeah. And, and I think some of the, so if we want to put together some of the pieces of evidence for that, uh, apparently something John Favreau talked about recently was that he was going to give hints to the origins of the first order and what they're up to in this season. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, um, we learned both through Clone Wars and um, Jedi Fallen Order the importance of Ilum and how it's kind of the the start of a of a Jedi's path, right? It's kind of a, it's a very important place for Jedi. 
So if, I mean, this again has me thinking again how Dinda Jaren is a very similar <laughs> like character to the Dark Knight in some ways. Um, <laughs> are we going to see Dinda Jaren doing some detective work? <laughs> you know, like channeling his inner Batman. Um, but you know, it would make sense that they go to Ilum seeking, you know, seeking information about Jedi and where they could be and how they could follow and find them. Um, do, do you think, do you think this could be Ilum? I definitely think it could be Ilum. And there are other shots later on in the trailer that, you know, take place on this snowy planet, including, uh, shots of, and we'll get there later to talk more about it, but including shots of, um, scout troopers driving speeder bikes off a cliff that looks snowy to me. So um, I think I think this could definitely be Ilum and the Empire or First Order is is here and and they are uh, at work and while the Mandalorian and the child are trying to find answers, they run afoul of the Empire again. Mm, so yeah. that is my suspicion. Um, but I I I would be surprised if it's not Ilum. I wouldn't be like horribly surprised if it's not Ilum because, you know, that the, there's so many different, you know, desert planets in Star Wars. Why wouldn't there be multiple freezing planets uh, in Star <laughs> Wars as well? But, uh, you know, just based on, on the direction the story is going, it seems like Ilum is a logical choice because we as fans know Ilum is very important to the Jedi. And so I would assume they've discovered this at some point and are going to try and follow up on, on any leads that they might get from Ilum. Yeah. Well, and I think moving forward as if it were Ilum, and again, we don't, we won't know until it comes out. Um, but right. A lot of, a lot of evidence points to the fact that it could be. Um, and if that's the case, again, thinking about this as a, again, like kind of that middle chapter story, um, what does Ilum represent in the, in the mythology of Star Wars? Well, it's the battleground of the soul, right? You know, I mean, the gathering is one of my favorite Clone Wars episodes when the, those younglings go there with Ahsoka and, you know, talk to Yoda and essentially you have to confront your fear, right? You have to confront your dark side in a way, um, and, and come to terms with, the parts of yourself that you're afraid of um, because that's how you find your Kyber. So to me, it's an interesting place to take Din Djarin and the child is, is what will, what will Din confront while he's there, right? What are the sort of, what are the fears that he still holds on to that might cripple him in his journey? Um, and that's just something I was thinking about a lot. And then even in that, that shot where he's crouching down next to the child um, that crashed ship behind them. My initial thought was, oh, it's just the Razor Crest banged up again. But I don't think that's the Razor Crest at all. No. And I think it might be a Republic troop transport from the Clone Wars. Um, it's entirely possible. I mean, there, there's paint, you know, orange paint on it here. Uh, it's hard to tell the, you know, the shape of it just based on this one frame. But yeah, I, I, it's something. It's definitely something. Something old because it's been there a while to be that beat up and and drab. So, yeah, yeah. Um. So you know, again, like, kind of it, going with what I was saying just previously about you know the even the graffiti of clone troopers. Um. Again, if if 
Din shows up on Ilum and sees maybe remnants of the Republic um, and, and clone in the clone army, you know, again, what might he have to confront about his past to move forward? Um, so again, I just, I love, I love that general notion that this journey is a much more internal one. And, and that's why I'm more excited for this season than I even was the first. Um, and I even just like the, the, that simple shot of him crouching down to the child there. I just, again, it just, it's so beautiful. And it, this, this happens a lot throughout the trailer where you just see these beautiful little interactions where they, the child and, and Din Dejaren look at one another. And it just, to me, it just really implies there's a bond of trust between them. Almost like Din saying like, well, well, kid, what do we do now? Or like, we're next, right? It's like, there is yeah. a, there's, there's a, there's a relationship here, right? Like he is working with the child. Um, I mean, even in, you know, chapter six, <laughs> after they, you know, have the, the encounter with his old gang, and at the end of the episode, he turns around and he says, I told you that was a bad idea, right? So it's, it's like he obviously runs his ideas by the child, whether or not the child can coherently respond to them or not. And I just I love this little shot because it, it kind of continues that trope of he's obviously talking to the child <laughs> a lot <Yes. laughs> or maybe not a yeah. lot, but at least off camera. Like he is relating to this child. Um, and I just I just love that the beauty of that. Because the child yeah. just represents that pure innocence, and and Din really values that. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> and it's also you know, while yes, the the child is sentient and things like that. It's it's also like you talking to your your pet a little bit, you know, like, uh, gosh, I really shouldn't have made that mistake. Don't you agree? And then your dog just looks at you like, okay. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I, I, obviously the, it's not quite like that because the child is, is sentient and will grow up to be able to talk. It'd be kind of funny to see if he says anything this season. Um, but yeah, no, I, I like what you, what you're going there. It, 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 it does seem to be a more of a searching than a, uh, searching journey this time around than, than sort of a, a, a race to the, the finish line. Like we got in season one. So a chase, I, su- I suppose. Yeah. It was kind of season one. This is a journey, whereas season one was a chase. Although we do know that uh, Moff Gideon is still out there and he still wants the child. So, right. It will still be the chase, I assume. Yeah. Shall we move on to the next shot? Yeah. Let's do it. Uh, I think we're going to finally see Mon Calamari in live action screen yeah i think this is it i think we're getting mon calamari here and i'm so excited (laughs) yeah (laughs) um because we're on a dock here um obviously these are you know not the nice docks but it's full of quarren and there are definitely some mon calamari in interspersed there as well and we get later shots of them on a boat in the ocean and things like that so I think we're hitting Mon Calamari. What do you think? I think so too. Um, yeah, I'm looking closely now. I, I didn't notice any Mon Calamari in the shot. Um, but now um, the first shot, if you look over yep. to the far right, yep. uh, there's, there's uh, a cellar. Yep, there's two looking, of them. You know, and there's two of them right there. Yeah, you're definitely uh, and then, right. And then on the on the, the left side, there's like this little the little round. Yep. pod that's sort of mid-ground and it looks like there's two of them over there too so yep. kind of like reddish heads 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm seeing that now. I didn't notice that last, but yeah, I'm even just seeing all the Quarren though, walking around and the fact that it looks to be, I mean, the only shots we really get are of oceans. I was like, yeah, I think we're finally going to get to see live action Moncala. Um, yes. So like you, I'm also super excited. Um, and, uh, the, uh, on the docks, we get the, you know, the voiceover about the sorcerers that he has to return them to. And that's where we get, the robed woman, which I think has got so many folks speculating the hardest over is who is she, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I know that's one of the things I'm really wondering about this trailer. Who is she? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, that dark robe does not give me confidence that she is anything friendly. Um, but who knows? You know, Luke walked in in all black and returned to the Jedi, so... <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, yeah, so um right a lot of people were wondering who this was, you know, folks have been throwing out um speculation of of who it might be. Um but we know for sure that this is uh Sasha Banks who's uh someone from the WWE who's been cast for season 2 of Mandalorian. Again, what her role is, none of us know at this point. And who knows how big that role is, right? Like, I think one thing season one's press releases taught us before the episode started is just because even it's a big name doesn't mean they're going to be a huge role, right? Um, I mean, even Cara Dune isn't even in half the first season. Um, So, you know, again, who knows who this character is? But the fact that she is dark, you know, dressed in all these dark robes and they're talking about a sorcerer... um, my my initial thoughts was this is somebody possibly working on behalf of the Sith Eternal or even I can't remember the name of the cult that's obsessed with Vader in the Aftermath trilogy. Do you remember what that group was called? Oh, no, I don't. I don't um, remember. That. So to those of you yelling I, to us right now, thank you. I'm sorry we forgot. <laughs> um, yes. But uh, my, thought, my thought was that she might be, you know, if if Moff Gideon is hunting for for this force sensitive child my thought is that she's probably in the employ of gideon um you know and maybe she's force sensitive in a sense you know to some extent based on whatever he's involved in and we don't know what he's all involved in still but that was my theory is that she works directly for gideon and she's tracking the child Mm, that's yeah very very solid um uh can i say so this is this is my kind of ridiculous maybe somewhat out there speculation about this particular character um, okay as, as i watched it one more time right before we hopped on the recording um and again i just watched the first episode of and there's something about her hood and even a little bit of the robe that kind of reminded me of little din to jaren and his with his hood on and his robe when he's being abandoned by his parents and yes hers is all dark as opposed to like kind of the the pretty nice red of his but there was just like a quick question of like, what if this is somehow like a relative of Din Djarin, right? Like some sort of uh, familial relative or somebody who knows more about his past from the days before the purge, um, right? Like, so I was just, again, because it, it, I, I was thinking of that, just the quick shot of, of her in that robe for a second. I was like, oh my gosh, that actually, that looks a lot like. Uh, the hood that Din was wearing as a little boy. So I wonder if like she's somehow from his tribe, his family. And again, that then got me thinking like, again, like if this is, if this is raising the question of who am I 
and who do I belong with and who do I belong to and where do I come from? That could be a possible angle too. Who knows, right? I mean, again, we have no idea who she is. Yeah. No, that's, that's a that's a possibility I hadn't even considered and I like it. Um, yeah, it's probably super wrong, but it was just one. I just I only thought of it because I just watched the first episode. But um, again, it's, it's probably very wrong, but it's just something else to throw into the mixer. I mean, it, it's not sort of a traditional Jedi or Sith hood, um, hood and cloak. Uh, it doesn't appear to be anyways. Um, so, I mean, but then again, there's not really a prescribed uniform anymore at this point either so um. (laughs) fair yeah i will say though the thing that makes me most excited about that character just from the teaser is the fact that it really gives you that mysterious and mystical side of star wars again it's just a nice reminder that 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 element is still very much alive in this story um right that the the almost like she vanishes now if you do watch slow like right before she does disappear in the, you know, the Quarren kind of walk in front of the screen, you do see her move a tiny bit to her left. So, like, I don't think she, like, literally... Yeah, she's taking a step back. She doesn't literally vanish, I don't think. I think she just steps behind everything. Um, Yeah. But I think, like you said, she's definitely keeping her her eye on the two of them. And, you know, I think if you're right, Jason, that she is in the employ of Moff Gideon, um, she she herself could possibly be a Force-sensitive or... She's also somebody from, again, like one of those Sith cults or a Vader cult trying to steal steal a Force-sensitive away. And, you know, that could be the window for how Ahsoka even comes and gets involved is um, she comes to save the day or something. I don't know. I don't know that Ahsoka is definitely in the season. We've still not gotten that official. So everybody's running with it like it's like it's truth. But right now it's still just speculation. I mean, yeah, apparently, uh, you know, was it uh vanity fair and everything is has has claimed its fact but you know lucasfilm hasn't said anything right and even rosario dawson has confirmed she's in the season but she didn't say that she was ahsoka i I think somebody like she said like oh that would be cool but like not saying i'm not and not saying i am (laughs) so Right. right so but yeah i mean it would be cool but i I'm still not convinced. I really am not convinced that Ahsoka is in this at all. So if she is, I'll be very pleasantly surprised because I I still am sitting here going, I don't know about that. Yeah. But I, I, I just have a very healthy dose of skepticism when everyone jumps on a bandwagon that quickly. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> that's just my natural inclination. So forgive me if everyone's like, well, obviously she'll be here there, but I'm like, I'm not so sure. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Which is why for, for a minute I thought that actress was Rosario Dawson, but I'm not great at picking out celebrities. Um, so I'm glad somebody else was and is able to tell us, no, that's not Rosario. Um, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, and again, I, I, I can speak for myself here too. I think the only reason I initially felt that quick, underwhelming feeling from the first watch was because even though I don't need Ahsoka in the season, there's a part of me that got excited that she could be. So when we don't see her, I was like, Oh man. But then I quickly reminded like, I don't, I don't care if she is or isn't. And if she is, I only care if it adds to the story. And if she's not there, cool. They didn't need her. Right. Like I'm in this story for Dinda Jaren and the child, not for anyone else. <laughs> so, 
um, at, the, at the end of the day. Those are my favorite characters in the show. I'm, I'm so invested in their story that anybody else we get in the story um, is only going to be of value if they add to the story. Right. What would be crazy is if they run across Ahsoka on Ilum. Ooh, that, yeah. That would be awesome. That but would be We'll cool. see what happens. Right. Ooh, and like that beautiful like robe that she's wearing from the end of uh, Clone Rebels. Wars. Or Rebels. But yeah, oh, I was yeah. thinking more Clone Wars because she's standing cool. in the snow. So Yeah, that's true. Um, that could be cool. That would be cool. But. All right. Yeah. So. Enough about the woman. Let's get on, a, um, let's get on the space boat. Yep. Everybody's, space boat. Everybody's crazy about the space boat. <laughs> um, it's a space so, Jason, can I can I admit something? Sure. So, I rewatched this trailer a lot today. I'm sure as many of us have. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, as as I tried to get off Twitter at at one point today because I was like, everybody's got so many cool takes, but I don't want I don't want I want to make sure I'm not stealing anybody's takes. I want to make sure that I just give my own thoughts initially before I take in everyone else's type of a thing. So. Uh huh. But because there's obviously there's so many brilliant people out there <laughs> talking Star Wars all the time, you know, whether, you know, podcasters and not. Um, so I was I was trying to challenge myself of like, all right, Carl, what is the one thing you like might have like a unique voice for in Star Wars? And I was like, all right, well, theology, <laughs> uh, religion type stuff. And not to say that others don't, but like that's the one thing that I feel like I can tackle. So I feel like I finally have my tiny little shred of spirituality within this teaser. Are you ready for it? Yes. So we're on a space boat, right? Yes. And if you pause it, um, Oh wait, hold on. Where was it? I think it's on the back end. Let's see. Nope. All right. It is very quick, but if you pause it at like the one minute and four second mark, right? When we see the boat from above, um, you, Mm -hmm. It almost looks like there are a couple people pulling something up from the side. Then you see the Quarren in the boat with these big fishing ropes. It made me think of yeah. this story in the Gospels where Jesus goes to Peter and says, hey, you don't have any fish. And he goes, yeah, we were out all night fishing. We didn't find anything. He's like, dude, you got to go out into the deep. Got to pull it up from the deep. So they go out into the deep waters and pull up like this massive catch of fish. Ultimately, that story is about um, you have to dig a little deeper. You have to really invest yourself into something to really reap, reap benefits. And it just made mm-hmm. me think that this scene of them, you know, on this boat, which again, I am simply speculating. It's a fishing boat. It doesn't, doesn't, there's nothing specifically saying it is, but going with that, that idea is, is like, this is the Mandalorian and the child setting out into the deep. They're going to dig up yeah. some truths here. They're going to dig up some answers and, and it's going to, it's going to give them a fuller sense of self. Um, And I just felt like that might be the one place where we're seeing a little bit of that. I mean, obviously there's a lot of mythological stories about ferrying across rivers. I can't speak too well to the myths. You might be able to say more about that in a second here. Um, But the thing that got me thinking about is if this is indeed a fishing boat, well, this is them heading out into the deep. Um, And, you know, let's see, let's see what they can pull up from, from digging a little deeper. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I, I like that. You know, it is, it definitely is a, a different take on just, you know, a boat in the middle of the ocean. Um, but they are, they are very far from any sort of kind of comfortable place that they've been before. You know, they are out in the middle of the ocean. 
There is nothing around them in terms of land mass or anything like that. Um, they're obviously going out for something specific. Otherwise, why would they be on this boat in the middle of nowhere? Um, so yeah, it's not a, it's not a bad thought, uh, in terms of, of mythology and boats. Um, there's the ferryman, uh, Charon, I believe is how you pronounce the name. And, uh, he, he ferries the souls of the dead across uh, the river Styx um, in the underworld, uh, and they have to pay the ferryman to do so. Otherwise, they stand uh, on, on the shores and never able to uh, reach any sort of, uh, sort of fulfillment. And, and, and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Peace. Mm. Uh, they sort of stay in a... In a, in a realm of sort of a, of a, a purgatory uh, to use a, another analogy. Um, but they, they never get to cross over and ultimately go into the underworld and get their peace, get their reward or, or punishment or whatever. They just they stay in this limbo if they can't pay the ferryman. Um, and so from a mythological standpoint, um, if they are, you know, crossing over, they've obviously paid the ferryman, but it's, you know, be interesting to see what their reward is. Once mm. they cross, yeah. uh, and it being Star Wars on a space boat in the middle of the ocean, I'm assuming they're going to run across into some sort of trouble on the high seas. So um, <laughs> <laughs> there might be some trouble before they get to whatever the goal is. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, this is the third fairy trip too in Mandalorian that we've seen. Right, the very first episode has. You know, them getting a ferry, he's getting ferried across the ice fields. And then they have, yep. you know, the ferry droid in what almost is like an underground hell, you know, the, mm-hmm. the lava river and the season God finale. Um, and now you have this one too, right? So if this is again, obviously speculation, but if that, that journey on the boat is from the first episode, it'd be interesting that the first episode has the Mandalorian traveling over frozen ground. But now the start of the second season, it's him tra- tra- traveling over thawed out ground. Right? It's water now. So um, I don't know, just an interesting progression. Um, maybe it's just me and really liking simple physics. <laughs> and <or laughs> is that physics like melting things? And not? I don't know what that even is. It's chemistry. Good God. Chemistry. Yeah. I should stay away from science. I'm not, I shouldn't be allowed. Um, but anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I mean, it is interesting though that, you know, we, we've seen twice in the first season fairy trips with the Mandalorian where he's been ferried. And now we've got another one in this season too. So yeah. Um, yeah. So it's kind of neat. Relying, having to rely on others to get them places. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so much of season one is about having to rely on others. And that was the thing that really made me love that character is, is he's not arrogant at all about it. He doesn't mind accepting help from others. So yeah, that's what makes him more heroic in my book. <laughs> so there you go. Um, but boy, then we get some exciting shots, huh? Uh-huh. Uh, he, uh, uh X-wing. Are those X-wings? <laughs> those are most definitely X-wings. We even see them lock S foils in attack position through the cockpit window. <laughs> so here's my question for you are they the, yeah. the shot of them flying through the clouds are they following the razor crest or are they chasing the razor crest that is the question i mean the speed of the shot of them flying through the clouds 
seems to indicate a pursuit, but they are not firing, which makes me wonder if they are pursuing something as a whole or if they are being pursued by the the X-Wings. I don't know. I have no clue. But the speed of it looks to be some sort of chase. Uh, just the speed and the, the way the camera kind of shakes as the, the ships fly past it um, a little bit. Um, so it, there's intensity in the shot. Um, and so I'm just wondering what that's about. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where I'm like, I don't know. It, are they Are they trying to get down fast to avoid Imperials? Um, are, is there something, uh, is there another ship that we just, you know, they just cut right before that, you know, after that one passed that they're all chasing, you know, or did Din find himself in trouble and, and raise the ire of the, the new Republic and has X-Wings on his tail? Are they the ones that blasted his ship up to pieces at the beginning of the trailer? Mm. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you think? I think they're together. I think they're working together. And okay. I, I take that mainly from the first shot where they're in space and they do lock S foils into acquisition. They're flanking him. And the way he just kind of looks to the pilot of the X wing. Um, I almost get the sense that he's going to give him one of those quick head nods that he's so famous for from season one. I love his little head nods. Um, so I feel like they're working together. I really do. Um, and I don't think they're through the clouds. I don't think they're chasing him. I think he's leading them somewhere and they are in a hurry um, and they're trying to get there quick. And I think, right, it's important to remember that Moff Gideon, like you said, Jason, he's still out there. The Empire is trying what's left of the Empire, at least in Gideon's control, is trying to acquire this child. It's very, very important to him. Um, and. You know, I mean, we've seen we've seen the Mandalorian use the New Republic to his own advantage in Chapter Six, right? <laughs> he puts that homing device, and I don't remember that character's name that they go to rescue. Do you remember his name? Uh oh, uh, if he gives an X, yeah, my mind is not what it was when I was a kid, man. I I, I read and read anything Star Wars, heard anything Star Wars, I immediately remembered it. I can't remember anything. <laughs> it's the plight of getting uh, older. Um, I'm going to look it up. Okay. Um, basically, my, my problem is, is I don't have a um, visual guide, a visual guide for this. Uh, yeah. So yeah. It makes it like easier, this. right? I need a guide. Um, uh, but anyway, well, while you're looking at that, right, we, we've, we saw him utilize the New Republic to his own advantage there. Even, you know, in Chapter 3, when he's talking to Grief Karga, he's like, you know, what the heck is the Empire even doing here? Like, he doesn't seem to really care. I mean, I don't think he cares one way or the other about political affiliations, but he does see the empire as a nuisance. He's like, why are they even doing here? And grief Karga says, well, go tell the new Republic then. Well, they're a joke. Um, but if he keeps having run-ins with forces of the empire and the new Republic shows up, it makes sense that he would work with them just in some capacity. And I don't think it's because Dinda Jaren particularly cares about the new Republic, but his obligation to the child is far more important. And part of me is wondering too, is if, um, I think I can speak for me. One of the things I was most terrified every episode of Mandalorian season one was that the child would be taken away from Din Djarin. What if that finally happens this season, right? The child does get captured. Um, and, and it's by Gideon's forces or something. 
I could see Din Djarin like rolling and rolling in hot with some X wings to to lay down the law, right? And and yeah. right, this is this is speculating like only a Star Wars fan can do, but the speed with which those X wings are flying and Djarin mm-hmm. seems to be leading them, it just it makes me think of like oh boy he is in hot pursuit of something important and it, you know it makes me think of Ben Solo just cutting quickly through the Knights of Ren to get to Re- to to Ray right the person he cares about the person he loves um this could be Din Djarin that the child that he loves is in danger so he's he's leading these X-wings in hot and fast or to use George language faster and more intense <laughs> yeah um so Gian is Gian. the the like woman her brother is Quinn Quinn okay cool cool so in case anybody was like I'm yelling at us. It's like, hey, we we got it. Don't worry. <laughs> oh boy. But yes. No, it's a good take. It's a good take. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, the the shot from inside the the cockpit of the Razor Crest could also be, you know, they're locking Esfos in attack position because uh, he's not complying, and they're trying to, you know, say, hey cooperate or we're gonna have to open fire um but i like your take better so <laughs> we'll see yeah. um yeah we will I, I, there there's enough there to know that it's gonna be cool yeah. but there's not enough there to have any idea what's going on <laughs> again the marks of a good teaser right indeed um, so. well then we we get a shot of him get, driving a speeder bike through what's probably Tatooine. I got nothing to say about that. Don't care. <laughs> but yeah, looks, yeah, looks like Tatooine. We're we're yeah. back on Tatooine again. So yeah. uh, probably just the one episode. But then right. we've got uh, Cara Dune and Grief Karga walking up. Boy, nice they, to see them still working together. Oh yeah, they look great. I love. Yeah, specifically Grief Karga. I love this new outfit of his. He's upgraded. Yeah, and he yes. looks happy. Yeah. And she looks like she's uh, satisfied with her new station, her new job. So uh looks like they're probably walking up to to greet the Mandalorian uh and the child, you know, wherever this is. Um I, I can't tell does it look like uh where they were at last episode yeah, or it, last season? It looks like it yeah, it looks up. exactly like where the spaceport was from last season. Um, what it is is the sky's clear. It's bright and sunny. That's why I, I wasn't able to tell. Uh, yeah. Because the sky looks bright and, and sunny. <laughs> so that's, <laughs> that's why that's why it looks weird to me. Okay. Yeah. Well, and I even like, again, even just in this this still shot of them, you know, behind Cara Dune and Grief Karga, just the, the, the streets of Navarro there with the kind of brightly colored tapestries that are hanging from the shops and stuff. It just looks like a much more colorful, colorful world now that the empire has gone. Um, so again, like the promise of, of, of a more enriching life after the oppression of the empire has, has been pushed aside. Um, yeah, but I remember, um, got Moff Gideon refers to him as, um, what does he call grief card? He says, um, uh, I'm trying, he, he slams him. Um, I don't remember shamed, shamed magistrate or something like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Disgraced magistrate grief Karga. So yeah, that's what it is. But he doesn't look so disgraced anymore. Right. He like, he looks like he looks Royal. 
Yeah. Um, or at least he, in charge. Yeah. I mean, he's, <laughs> got, he's got a royal bearing to him now. So he's no longer that, dis, that, that, that disgraced person. He's he's become something more. Um, so I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Uh, but then we've got TIE Fighters lifted off what looks like Navarro as well. Yeah. Like out in the desert. So I don't know. Did they capture TIE Fighters? Is the Empire still there? Who knows? Right. I can well, tell. My guess, and to be fair, Jason, I, you made this, you said earlier that the speeder bikes look like they're on the snow planet, but I think it's pretty clear they're actually on Navarro. If you see them fall down, you can see a shot of lava at the one minute, 17 second mark. There's like a, a, a little river of lava. So I think they're still on Navarro. Okay. Um, I'm not trying to like say you were wrong. I'm just oh, looking okay. at it more closely. Well, maybe. I, it I, looks I didn't, like it's still the lava fields. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah, if you pause it at one minute seventeen, you can see in the like to the far a little bit to the right, you can see like a little stream of lava. Yep. No, you're so, right. You're right. Um, yeah, yeah there's the still on Navarro. Yeah, and to me that makes sense because um, Moff Gideon represents an oppressive power. It's like he is, he's the bro who doesn't like being denied what he assumes belongs to him. (laughs) Right. Right. He, he was, he believes the child is his, he believes Navarro is his, and that was all taken away from him. So his ego has been shot and no way he's going to let that lie. Right. (laughs) You know, if there's one thing we ever learn about people with shallow egos is, they fight hard for that shallow ego. So it would, to me, it makes sense that like Gideon's still got a presence there and he's going to try to take back what he lost because in his mind, it's his. Right. So, right. So yeah, well, that, no, that, that totally makes sense. Um, but it, it does make me wonder since he had so many, you know, so many troops there initially. Um, why, how, is grief Karga and Cara Dune able to just sort of be that sort of, you know, nonchalant and, and sort of laid back looking if, yeah. if uh, Gideon is still there unless he's just returned right. perhaps. Yeah. Good point. So, good point. I mean, yeah, who knows? Um, that's, that is a very valid point. And just because they look relaxed could be just the fact that they're seeing, the Mandalorian for the first time in a while. I'm just happy to see him. <laughs> right. Who knows? That's but yeah, that you're right there. That does, that does raise that question too. Um, yeah. What do you think's going on with him? It, I mean, see these like quick little shots of like right after the speeder bike. So you see him like in a, like underground about to drown. I don't really have much to say about that. The Mandalorian's okay. in peril. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be in peril a lot. <laughs> you yep. Know what I mean? yep. That's the show. Um, uh, and then he's, you know, taken off on a jetpack. Looks like over Navarro. Yeah, uh, and I think it's cool I, that he's using the jetpack, right? Because um, I love how the armorer says to him when she, right before she hands it to him in the last episode, she says, "Have you been trained in the way of the Phoenix?" Right? Because they call it the Phoenix. Yeah. Right, rising Phoenix. Rising Phoenix. Yeah. And again, I just feel like, uh, right, because like, that was such a beautiful image for the end of that first season, right? Right. The Phoenix is the thing that dies and rises something new, you know the Mandalorian as the bounty hunter in the bounty hunters guild has kind of fallen away and the Phoenix that he becomes, he's Din Djarin, you know, now like he's become somebody new. So it's cool to see him flying around with that. Like he has become comfortable in that sense of himself, that that's that in that Beskar armor in that with that jetpack, he is becoming more of who he's supposed to be. 
Yeah. Yeah. And then we're back at the the graffiti-covered city uh, where it looks like he's got somebody wrapped up to one of those uh, light poles there. <laughs> yep. Um, that or he's shooting – well, he shot – it looks like he shoots the light out. I'm trying yeah. To, I'm trying to tell. Yeah, I yeah. think he shoots the light out. You can't like see the blaster fire, but you see the spark and it go out. But it looks like he's he's lowering his blaster. Yeah, um, but but it, he's still got the guy wrapped up. So I'm assuming he's gonna you know start interrogating him and ask for answers to yeah. questions. Right? Questions to be done. Sorry, um, <laughs> to quote a certain gray wizard. Um, anyway. Um, yeah, I don't have much more to say about that. Yeah, I don't either. Um, and then we get the cool mm-hmm. shot of him walking into this, the ice caverns or the snow, snowy, you know, the ice caverns of this snowy planet, which, again, yeah. I think you and I both are working with the idea that it's Ilum. Yes. Um, um, and, and just the, the sort of way that the, the ice is kind of cut seems to be in line with what we saw in the Clone Wars. Um, so... Ooh, good point. Yeah. And the color kind of seems to be in line with that a bit. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm I, I'm probably, a, I'm fairly certain we're going to Ilum uh, here, but I won't, I won't be disappointed if it's somewhere else. So I'll just put that out there. Yeah. Well, and then we get, um, you know, a, a very, very prominent voiceover from, the Mandalorian himself he says, wherever I go, he goes as he's carrying and the child into those caverns. Um, yeah. So again, just going back well, to this, to this notion that they're seeking truth. They're seeking answers. Yeah. Well, the, the right before he says that, uh, the, there's a voice over the, of an alien saying, you know, this is no place for a child. Right. Yeah. Uh, I have no idea who that is, by the way, who says that. Uh, well, it's it's the guy that he's sitting next to oh. in the uh, oh, okay. arena the fighting pit. Okay, cool. All right, yeah, uh, that makes sense. That's right. Uh, is what I is what I I gather. Gotcha. So, gotcha. You know the place for a child. Yeah. Wherever he goes, I go. So I've heard. You know. I think it's wherever I go, he goes. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> same same effect. <laughs> I know. Sorry. Um, but then we also get the, the shot real quickly of the Razor Crest essentially plummeting out of the sky. Yeah. Yeah. On fire. Yep. <laughs> um, really quick before we go to that, though, the last the one thing I wanted to say about the voiceover of wherever I go, oh, sure. goes, um, it just it just makes me think of a creed. You know, and again, that was that was sold so hard in the first season. The idea of Mandalorians and their creed. If if Dinda Jaren grew up with such a strict sense of the importance of creeds, I feel like this is kind of a new creed for him in the second season is, you know, you know, we, we had this is this is the way. Right. And that's obviously repeated at the end of the trailer. That is that is the creed of the Mandalorians. Right. This is the way. But I feel like Dinda Jaren has kind of created his own personal creed, which is wherever I go, he goes again, this, this, uh, this bonding between these two characters and, yeah. um, his sense of identity is without of the protector. Right. Um, mm-hmm. so I just, again, I just, I love that notion that he's kind of come up with his own personal creed now as the protector of the child. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And, uh, you know, the, there's a lot of creeds 
you know, in the first season. Obviously, the other most popular one is, you know, I have spoken, right. um, you know, so from Quill. So it, it seems that creeds are definitely a uh, an important thing. Creeds or, or, or these kinds of sayings are, def- are an important thing. And, you know, wherever I go, he goes. Definitely sounds like something that he might repeat to people uh, who question why he's bringing this small, helpless-looking child into dangerous situations. Yeah. So, but, yeah. um, yeah. So then we get a fighting ring. Yeah, Gamorreans fighting in a ring. Skinny Gamorreans. Yeah. Well, something. At that. least one of them. <laughs> I don't know. That's, that is weird. That is weird. Why? Um, Got to get Jabba to fatten them up or something. I don't know. Oh, um, my goodness. Yeah, I, lo- I love it. And yeah, just the 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 effect of them using the vibro axe when they strike and block it. It's like this cool little like I can't describe. I mean, you, you can only look at it, right? <laughs> um, it's like a it's like a visual shockwave. Yeah. yeah. Yes, a visual. That's perfect, Jason. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Minute twenty five seconds. If you're wondering where it is, it's a minute twenty five. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's pretty cool. It's awesome. So cool. So yeah, he comes strolling into this fighting pit um, after speaking that, you know, wherever I go, he goes, yeah, that's what we heard. And then boom, everybody draws on him. Right. Yeah. Obviously, this was a trap. Yes. It seems at least. Right. Except it's the Mandalorian and he's planned for these kinds of things. He's um, he's uh, reloaded those whistling birds, by the way. In case anybody was interested in knowing. <laughs> and the child is definitely aware of what they do. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yep. I love this shot. He looks over as Din is, is activating the, the whistling birds. And he just goes, nope. And closes up his bassinet. <laughs> and then we just, you know, we, we hear them going off and the screams and everything happened in the dark. Uh, and then the, the trailer, you know, lights back up and everyone is on the floor and a guy is slumping over with a knife in his chest. So with Din standing there, you know, this is the way uh, in the middle of an empty fighting pit now. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. The shot of the child closing his his carrier is just great. I mean, and so I, like this is such Star Wars Mandalorian humor, too. Yeah, uh, it's just so perfect. Um, I love it, you know, and, and even in chapter three, when he rescues the child, um, you know, he, he says, I'm sorry you had to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh no, no, that's not him that says that. I'm sorry. That's, that's IG 11 that says that in chapter eight, I'm so wrong. Um, oh, that's right. But, uh, yeah, the, I don't know. Just the idea that the, the child doesn't need to see all the violence. <laughs> <You know>? Right. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> I just love it though. It's, it's, it is, you're right. It is such a Star Wars humor kind of a moment where you're just like, uh, oh, um, goodbye. Yeah. And the, it closes up and yeah. the damage is done. The carnage is done kind of off screen. We'll see if it's actually off screen in the, the show, but it's definitely off screen in the trailer, which makes for a, a good, a good moment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Do you, do you think this gang of people that draw down on him are other bounty hunters? Because, again, right, the, the end of season one, like him deciding to go back to Navarro is because, all right, if I can take out, you know, these people 
the 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 Imperials that are after the child, I'll be you know free and clear. And he seemingly does that, but then of course we see that Moff Gideon survives. So again, it's right. going to be a little bit of the same chase from that from that aspect of the Empire. They're still trying to get him. Do you think these are just bounty hunters from the Guild or what? Who do you think this might be in the fighting pit? Um, well, the the one eyed guy sitting right next to him almost looks like some sort of like uh, mob boss. Mm. Like you know when they the shot of them drawing down uh, on him. And he's looking over, like, just his hairstyle and his clothes really screams like mob boss. And I'm wondering if, uh, at least to me, uh, so I'm wondering if he's sort of, you know, poking around in in an area to find answers and he's encroaching on their turf. And and they've set this up to just try and get rid of him. So, but it could be bounty hunters. Yeah. It's entirely possible. Um, And the... it seems mob bossy to me. Yeah, I like in my yeah. opinion. And the the Cyclops also has a gun drawn on him too. Yeah, so even he has one. So yeah, yeah. Um, but it's I I love the way that it closes though. With yes, like kind of we hear the the we hear the fighting kind of in the darkness, and then it right comes back up to show him finishing off somebody and then throwing like a knife or something into this um, Zabrak fighter, and. Mm-hmm. To me, like it's a cool ending statement of also a reminder that Dinda Jaren is a badass warrior. <laughs> like yep. he's here in fighting pits with trained fighters, and he's still going to kick some tail. So, <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, um, it it's pretty awesome. And then of course it, it ends with "This is the way," which you know that's totally you know uh, the only way you can end a Mandalorian trailer with that kind of a of a you know action ending. Um, is is with that quote. So whether or not he actually says that in in that moment in the show doesn't matter. He kind of it just it's perfect trailer fodder to to have him say that right then and there. So <laughs> yep, I'm right there with you. Uh, I'm here for it. But I do want to talk about the logo for season two. Yeah, just a second. Um, it it's it's interesting to me because the planet is. Uh, the background colors are obviously a lot cooler. You know, it's sort of blues and and grays uh, for the background planet color, which makes me think it might be referencing the snow planet that we've been seeing. Uh, but I do love how, you know, in the A, instead of it being just the Mandalorian walking across the desert as it was for the logo for season one, it's got him and the child standing next to him. Uh, and he's looking down at the child. So it's definitely like, yeah, this is about them. It's so a, they're certainly a clan of two. They are a clan of two and everyone is here for it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a cool, simple logo, but it does just yeah. enough to tell you that the story is a little bit different now. It's not just about yeah. this solitary guy. Now it's about these, these two. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. Love it. Um, so there you go. Yeah. That that was us taking something that is a minute and 57 seconds long and talking about it for just over an hour. <laughs> yeah. As with almost every other Star Wars podcast out there right now. So I'm sure there um, are several that'll go for hours. <laughs> so, yes. Um, and 
power to them. That's again, this is the fun of this part of Star Wars. Like it's just that the there's such a f- excitement and joy and just speculating and theorizing and having fun with that. Um, so yeah. I look forward to hearing more and more what what folks think in general about this. And that um, that leads me to our poll for next week's episode. Yeah. We simply want to ask all of you, what was your favorite part of the teaser trailer? Yeah. Do we want to answer that now or do we want to answer that with the poll next week, Carl? I'm going to answer it with the poll next week because I want to watch it a few more times. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. I, I'm right with you there. Yeah. So we'll we'll do that. Um, but yes, uh, what is your favorite moment from the Mandalorian Season 2 teaser trailer? Uh, and Carl, if people want to weigh in on our poll um, or just comment on anything we've discussed this episode um, – in regards to the trailer or Mandalorian in general, where can they do that, sir? Um, we are on Twitter at Wampas Lair. Um, we're on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash Wampas Lair Podcast. Uh, you can also send us an email at Wampas Lair Podcast at gmail.com. And of course, uh, interact with us on Instagram. Uh, just search for Wampas Lair. And uh, I love having fun on Instagram. Yeah. No, we're, we're really happy to have the Instagram up and running. Uh, you got anything else, Carl, before we close down this episode? Um, just a reminder to stick around for the next episode of A New Hope Radio Drama. Yeah, that'll be fun. Um, well, we have spoken. This is the way. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast. This has been episode number 395, Mandalorian Season 2 trailer. For Carl, I'm Jason. We're going to go watch this trailer again and see you next time here in the Wampus Lair. Star Wars, Episode 6, The Millennium Falcon Deal. time ago in a galaxy far, far away, there came a time of revolution when rebels united to challenge a tyrannical empire. This bitter struggle brought disaster to the life of young Luke Skywalker when his uncle purchased the astro droid R2-D2, unaware that R2's memory banks held secret plans vital to the rebellion. Imperial stormtroopers hunting for R2-D2 and his interpreter counterpart C-3PO have savagely murdered Luke's uncle and aunt. Luke has committed himself to the service of Ben Kenobi, one of the last of the legendary Jedi Knights and a sympathizer with the Rebel Alliance. Now, Luke, Ben, R2-D2 and C-3PO are bound for Mos Eisley spaceport in Luke's landspeeder. There they hope to find passage off Tatooine for the planet Alderaan to deliver R2 and his crucial message safely into rebel hands. Luke? Luke? Huh? 
You've let us drift off course again. What? Most Isley spaceport is that way, over that ridge. Oh, yeah, right. That's the third time you've strayed, Luke. If you're tired, I could take over the controls or C-3PO. No, no, no. It's just... I can't get it out of my mind, Ben. What they did to my aunt and uncle. Keep seeing it over and over. I understand, Luke. But I'm all right, really. How are you two doing back there? Hanging on, 3PO? Oh, yes, sir. How's R2? He says he's very well, thank you, sir. Luke, pull up there by the summit of the ridge. I want to take a moment's pause before we push on to Mos Eisley. Now we'll have a good view from up here. Mos Eisley Spaceport. Yeah, looks rather shoddy and disreputable for a spaceport, if you don't mind me saying so, sir. You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy in the whole galaxy. Come, Luke. We'll take a closer look. Ben. Hmm? I'll be all right. I promise. I won't let you down. No, I believe you won't, Luke. If you knew something of the Force, its mental disciplines would be of great help to you now. But we shall have to wait until after we've left this planet to begin your training. For now, you must give your full attention to our mission. Our chances of success are small enough as it is. When we've reached our destination, there will be time to let your feelings come forth. You're sure we can find passage to Alderaan down there? Nothing is sure, Luke. But our best chance of doing it, and doing it without attracting attention, lies down there in Mos Eisley. Tramp freight haulers, smugglers, and pirates of all types pass through there constantly. Oh, I've heard some wild stories about it. There are a few questions asked down there, and most of those can be answered simply enough with cash. People mind their own business. It enhances their life expectancy. We should find just the sort of tough mercenary characters we need. You sound as if you've done this kind of thing before. When I was a Jedi Knight and thereafter, I became familiar with a good many unusual people and places, my young friend. What are we going to do about the droids? They could attract a lot of attention. We shall have to deal with that problem as it arises. We certainly can't risk leaving them behind. R2 is far too important, and 3PO already knows too much for us to chance his falling into the hands of the Empire. Ben, that girl in the message R2 brought you, she said that she was... <laughs> what? If we were at the High Court of Alderaan, you'd be expected to refer to her as Your Highness or the Princess Leia Organa. But I fancy that uh, under the circumstances, she wouldn't mind if you referred to her with more brevity. Hmm. Okay. Princess, then. She said that the information stored in R2's memory banks was vital to the Rebellion. What do you think it is? I don't know. But I trust her not to exaggerate. We must believe her message absolutely and proceed on the assumption that the fate of the Rebel Alliance rests with us and with R2. And she said her ship was under attack. Do you think she's all right? She is alive, almost certainly, but I don't doubt her circumstances are difficult. Imperial Inquisitors have some ugly ways of obtaining information from prisoners. She will have the means to resist for some while, but not indefinitely. It's one more reason for us to make haste to Alderaan. Come, 
We have business to attend to. To most Eisley. Most Eisley's crawling with Imperial stormtroopers, Ben. You almost never see him on Tatooine. Yes, there are more than I had foreseen. Maybe we should try another way off-world. No, our best hope still lies here. There seems to be a checkpoint up ahead. Take this side street. Well, I guess it's like you said. The Empire's not stopping at anything to find 3PO and R2. The stormtroopers are not the opposition I fear most. The Emperor has other, more fearsome servants at his command. Darth Vader? The one who killed my father? He's the uh, one... I believe that's another Imperial checkpoint, Luke. There seems to be no getting round well, I could turn around, make a run for it. It'd seal off the exit routes. Besides, that would put us right back where we started. Uh-oh, that stormtrooper ahead is signaling for me to stop. Best to brazen it out. Do as he says and follow my cues. Answer any questions they ask, but otherwise let me do the talking. Fine with me. R2, 3PO, don't say a word. Yes, sir. You there, driver? Yes. How long have you had these two droids? Um... Uh, about three or four seasons. They're there for sale if you want them. I have got no use for them. We're looking for two stolen ones. You, let me see your identification and the ownership for these droids. But uh, I... You don't need to see his identification. We don't need to see his identification. These aren't the droids you're looking for. These aren't the droids we're looking for. You can go on about his business. You can go on about your business. Move along, Luke. Move along. Move along. Oh, yeah. Sure thing. Are they looking at us? Mm, no, they've stopped a robo-hauler. I dare say they've forgotten us already, Luke. And nobody's following us? All the stormtroopers back there at the checkpoint seem otherwise occupied to me. <laughs> ben, how did we get past them? I thought we were dead for sure. You know, the Force can have a strong influence on the weak-minded. You will find it a powerful ally. But how it, the... Turn off here and go to the end of that side street. There's a cantina there. That's where we'll find what we're looking for. So many non-humans in one place. Look, there's a Mirian hammerhead over there. A Stofo lupinoid. <laughs> look, a couple of Tintin dwarves. Ah, look, even the humans don't look human. This cantina is a meeting ground and a place of business for half the shady goings on in this part of space. Now stay close to me. R2 and 3PO, you too. Oh, yes, sir. Hey, you. Huh? We don't serve that guy in here. 
What? Your droids will have to stay outside. We don't want them in here. Well, Ben, it, uh, best to do as he says. We don't want to attract attention. You think we should risk leaving them alone? Now, there shouldn't be any problem so long as 3PO and R2 stay with the land speeder. If anything goes wrong, they can summon us from the doorway. Should I stay with them? No. It's best to have someone to guard one's back in this kind of place. Whatever you say. Listen, 3PO, why don't you and R2 wait outside by my speeder? We don't want any trouble. I heartily agree with you, sir. You heard what Ben said? Yes, sir. If there's any problem, we'll signal you from the doorway. Back we go, R2. Uh, 3PO? Yes, Master Luke? I'll bring you something. Oh, thank you. Here, let's step up to the bar. Excuse me. Uh, that spaceman standing there strikes me as a likely fellow with whom to make our preliminary inquiries. Uh, order something for yourself, Luke. This may take some time. Okay. Excuse me, my friend. Huh? But I wonder if I might have a word with you. You're a Karelian spacer, are you not? What about it? I'm in the market to charter a fast starship, and I've been told by those in the know that the Corellian vessels are among the very best. You heard right. Except that Corellians aren't among. We are the best. Ah, splendid. And would you by any chance know of a starship that's available for hire? If you'd have come in here yesterday, you could have had mine. But I'm committed to a charter. I raise ship tonight. A pity. Uh, perhaps you could recommend someone else. Well, there aren't too many Corellians in port right now. And anybody else would be just a second rater. Let's see now. Oh, yeah, there's the Falcon. Falcon? The Millennium Falcon. Han Solo ship. And would this uh, Han Solo be available at present for a job? <laughs> I'd be surprised if he wasn't. <laughs> I ain't been doing so well lately. He was around here a little while ago. In fact, there's his first mate standing over there. Mm -hmm. The giant shaggy one. A Wookiee. That's right, but a damn good first mate and co-pilot all the same. Hey, Chewbacca, come here. I got somebody for you to meet. Here's your drink, Ben. Oh, thank you, Luke. What do you say, Chewbacca? This fellow here's looking for a ship. No, just one quick trip. You understand the Wookiee language? Some, yes. Thank you, friend. You've been of great assistance to me. Yeah, sure, old timer. Glad to oblige. Guess I'll be shoving off. Clear skies to you, Chewbacca. The Millennium Falcon. Is that the name of your ship? I was told she's fast. No, that will be more than satisfactory. I'm not looking for anything elaborate, Chewbacca. Just quick passage to Alderaan. He doesn't like you, boy. I don't either. You just watch yourself. Sorry. Chewbacca, is your Captain Solo available to discuss terms of hiring? One and ten, sonny. I've got the death sentence on me in 12 solar systems. Oh, I'll be careful. Uh, pardon me a moment, Chewbacca. You'll be dead. Just a moment, please, my friend. This little one here isn't worth the effort. Come, let me buy you and your companion there something to drink. Stay out of this, Grandpa. I'll fix you when I finish with this little fool. <laughs> now for you, you blasters, No blasters! <laughs> That old man, he just about sliced the old boy in half. And he lops hockey's arm clean off. Luke, are you hurt? Here, let me help you out. Yes. Hey, you, the man, who told you to take a break? Get back to work. Show's over, everybody. Are you all right, Luke? I knocked my head on something, but I'll be okay. Hey, somebody get those bodies out of here. 
Go on, or you'll never get another free drink from me. Ben, I've never seen anything like that in my life. Your lightsaber It's was... a last resort, Luke. Never forget that. Now, this is Chewbacca. He is... A Wookiee! <laughs> I've never seen a real live Wookiee before. Ah, yes, quite. But he's also first mate and co-pilot on a ship that might suit our needs. His captain is nearby somewhere. Chewbacca will bring him to speak to us. Gosh, Ben, he's enormous. Yes. Now we must find a booth somewhere out of the way where we can wait. Ah, come, Luke. Do you see that large reptilian creature tethered over there, the one wearing the saddle? I believe that is what they call a dewback. The creature Master Luke was telling me about. What? Imperial stormtroopers, where? Oh. They seem to be taking up positions to search the area. Come along, Artu. We have to go and attract Master Luke's attention from the cantina doorway. Oh, oh, oh! Watch it, Joy. Do you think you're shoving? I do beg your pardon, sir, but I wasn't shoving you. And I say you were. Go on, beat it before we take a wrench to your boat. That won't be necessary, sir. Come along, R2. Damn, Joy. Look like the stormtroopers are forming up for a house-to-house search. Our only recourse is to hide. What do you mean, what if we can't? How should I know? I'm not programmed for deception and suspect behavior like some that I could mention. You're the one that got us into all this. Why don't you think of something? Oh, look, more stormtroopers. We're trapped. What should we do? What do you mean I'm supposed to be the intelligent one? I... Wait. That used droid lot over there. Come on. When we get there, Artu, stand at the end of the display line with me. Keep perfectly still. Don't make a sound. What can I do for you? You bought or sold any droids in the last few days? Nah, business has been off. Last stock I moved was ten days ago. I haven't purchased any in even longer. You want to see my sales records? Not necessary. There will be a verification team by later. Come on, come on, and make sure you try every door you pass. If any are open, take a quick check inside. Huh. I wonder what that was all about. Hey, 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 what says? Good what man. are you two doing standing there? Well, uh... Our master instructed us to wait here, sir. He's canvassing the area to see if anyone wants any household maintenance jobs done. Well, don't stand right here on my lot, you half-wit. People will think you belong to me. Oh. I got enough trouble selling these old clunkers without you hanging around confusing things. Now move! Moving, sir. Come along, Artu. Sheesh. Dern pesky droids. There's not one of them has the brains of a womp rat. Boy, this guy's sure taking his time, Ben. I think this is him now. Hello, gents. Han Solo, captain of the Millennium Falcon. I'm pleased to meet you, Captain Solo. When I first met Chewbacca here, tells me you're looking for passage to the Alderaan system. Is that right? That is a fact we are. If yours is a fast ship. Fast ship? You mean to tell me you've never heard of the Millennium Falcon? Should I have? Where you been? The Falcon's the ship that made the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs. Which would make you a spice smuggler, is that correct? (laughs) 
Well, why don't, why don't we just say that I'm an independent businessman. Very independent. In the best Corellian tradition? Uh, yeah, I've been known to bend a lar to on occasion. I've outrun Imperial warships. Not the local bulk cruisers, mind you, but the big ships of the line. The Falcon's fast enough for you, old man. I believe we understand one another, you and I. What's the cargo? Only passengers. Myself, the boy here, two droids, and no questions asked. What is it you're running from? Some sort of local trouble? Let's just say that we'd prefer to avoid any imperial entanglements. Well, that's the trick, isn't it? And it's going to cost you something extra. Ten thousand. What? In advance. Ten thousand? We could almost buy our own ship for that. Yeah, but who's going to fly it for you, kid? You? You bet I could. I'm not such a bad pilot, Mike. Come on, then. We don't have to sit here and listen. Easy, Luke. Captain Solo, we haven't that much cash with us, but we could pay you 2,000 now plus 15 more when we get to Alderaan. 17, huh? Okay. You guys got yourself a starship. Good. Oh, just a friendly word of advice. I'd better get the rest of my money when we hit Alderaan. Me and my partner don't like it when somebody tries to cheat on a deal. You needn't worry. We'll keep our end of the deal if you live up to yours. I'd call that a real wise attitude, old man. We'll leave as soon as you're ready. Docking Bay 94. 94. We'll meet you there with the money shortly. Oh, good. Hey, I saw what was left of a couple of small-time punks being carted out the front door a while ago. Your handiwork? I had no choice. They forced the fight. Well, no loss to society, but it looks like those stormtroopers over there noticed the remains. Dan? Wait, Lou. Uh-uh, they're headed this way. I suggest the back door, gents. Right over there. Thank you, Captain Solo. Pleasure's mine. We'll meet you at the docking bay. Come, Luke. Right. You seen anything of an old man and a boy? Oh, uh, no. Chewy? No. But then it's not our job to watch people, is it? Bartender. I thought you said they came over here. I said I thought they did. Look, I got other things to do besides keep an eye on every single customer. All right, man, we'll check out the back door. Follow me. <laughs> yeah, those two guys must really be desperate. 17,000. This could really save my neck, Chewy. I wonder who they are. You say you dropped those two with a lightsaber? Who uses one of those antiques anymore? Me either. Still, we gotta play the hand the way it's dealt. Job of the hut's getting a little anxious to be paid off. You go collect our gear. I got a couple of things to do. I'll meet you back at the Falcon. We'll get ready to raise ship. Una puta solo. Uh, <laughs> sure, I'm going somewhere, Greedo. Put your gun up. I was on my way to see your boss. Tell Job of the hut that I got his money. Song <laughs> Anything you say, Greedo. Just don't get nervous with that thing. <clears throat> you don't mind if I put my feet up and relax, do you? It's been a long day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Greedo, but this time I really got the money. <laughs> I haven't got it with me. I just picked up a job. Tell Heater and Jabba the Hutt that I'll... Hi, Tiffany. Don't go to the Puglia, Urwans, but it's a good one for the trip. 
look, even I get boarded sometimes. I had to dump that load of spice. Do you think I had a choice? Over my dead body. Yeah, I'll bet. Rest in peace, Guido. I can shoot just as well under a table as a crossed one. Hey, bartender. Yeah. Here. That's for your trouble. <laughs> Sorry about the mess. <laughs> now you've done it, Solo. Heater's gonna want your neck for sure. Yeah, you feel like standing in for him? Uh, no, I didn't mean nothing. Then get I... out of my way. I'm raising ship. Sure, sure. Hey, and if you see Heater or Jabba the Hutt, tell him I'll be back in a day or two. I got a little quick money to make. Two droids, a young farm boy, and a veteran Jedi Knight caught up in a dangerous but vital mission are now joined in their journey by a reckless pair of smugglers and soldiers of fortune. Against them, an empire moves with all the power at its command. And the freedom of the galaxy will ride with the next liftoff of the Millennium Falcon. Star Wars, Episode 6 by Brian Daly. Based on characters and situations created by George Lucas. Featured in the cast were Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker, Anthony Daniels as C-3PO, Bernard Barons as Ben Kenobi, and Perry King as Han Solo. The series was directed by John Madden, with sound mixing and post-production by Tom Vigley. Music by John Williams. Sound design for Lucasfilm by Ben Burt. Story editor for the series was Lindsay Smith. Casting and production coordination by Mel Saar. Executive producer was Richard Toskin. Executive producer for Lucasfilm was Carol Teitelman.